1: Hello and welcome to Scran, the podcast that champions Scottish food and drink. I'm your host, Rosalind Erskine, and on this episode, we're feeling extremely festive. With only a few weeks left of 2020, a year of events that no one was expecting, This is also our last episode of Scrand season two, which has been a pleasure to record mainly from home whilst under a blanket. Before we sign off for the year, there's a little matter of Christmas, which is now less than two weeks away. On this episode, I'm joined by Ollie Norman, founder of voucher and event site It Is On, and Josh Littlejohn, co-founder of Social Byte. Ollie and Josh discuss how they have worked together and pooled their resources over the years to raise money and help end homelessness, sometimes with a little help from some Hollywood stars.
2: I really just wanted to know what it was like to film Wolf of Wall Street, how much fun it was. And his face just lit up, he was like, oh man, that was so much fun.
1: I'm also joined by Scotland on Sunday picture editor and food and drink writer Kat Thompson to chat all things veggie and vegan this Christmas.
3: Vegan wreath. now I wasn't sure whether to eat it or hang it on the door, it was was in a circular ring, there were mushrooms, there were chestnuts, pumpkin seeds and it was decorated with cranberries and an orange glaze.
1: Finally, my wider digital team and I had the arduous task of sampling and reviewing a range of supermarket festive food, from mulled wine to roast potatoes and picks and blankets. I talked you through the best and worst of these and what we found to be the best value. With Christmas on the horizon, many of us are facing smaller celebrations than usual and are looking to continue to shop locally and consciously for gifts. One popular gift for friends and family is the £5 it is on, buy a homeless person Christmas dinner voucher with proceeds going to Social Bite, a social enterprise that has cafes across Scotland. To find out how this all came about, how the money is used to make a difference and what exactly you'd speak to George Clooney and Leonardo DiCaprio about I chatted to Ollie Norman and Josh Littlejohn over Zoom. Okay, this morning I'm joined by Josh Littlejohn and Ollie Norman of Social Bite and It Is On. Hi guys, how are you?
0: Good morning. Very well. How are you?
2: Good. Good to see you guys.
1: Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, nice to nice to see people, albeit on Zoom as usual. <laughs> so we're just gonna have a quick chat about Social Byte and It Is On and your partnership to raise funds for Christmas dinners for homeless um, people. But just to kind of go right back to the start for people that don't know. Josh, I'll start with you. Uh, could you just give me a sort of potted history of Social Bite, please?
0: Sure. Um, so, Social Bite, we started in August 2012, so almost nine years ago. We started as a little cafe in the city centre of Edinburgh. Originally, the idea didn't really have anything to do with the homelessness issue, in which we've obviously become quite well known for our work within now. That kind of just started by accident. We're in the cafe in the first couple of weeks and we met this young man who was 19 years old, his name was Pete, and he was homeless and selling the Big Issue magazine on the street corner, just outside the front door of the cafe. And one day Pete came into the cafe and plucked up the courage and asked us if he could have a job. And we kind of thought, why not? It seems a nice thing to do, and we gave him a job. And we saw that the job was really transformative for him and that kind of got us started on this path of working within the homeless issue. So we started to offer more jobs to homeless people. And then we introduced this pay it forward concept where customers could buy something in advance for people who were homeless to come and get something later. So that was the kind of origins around nine years ago. And then over the last nine years, our works kind of really evolved and expanded. We expanded the chain of cafes. In 2015, we got a bit of a crazy profile boost when I somewhat spectatively wrote a letter to George Clooney and asked him if he would come and visit our cafe. And in November, 2015, he did. Um, and that gave us a really amazing platform and profile to build on and develop some more ambitious projects. And um, so, some of the, those big projects over the years have been a series of ever increasing sleepout events, where we've encouraged the general public to come and sleep out in freezing cold conditions, which they've done in their tens of thousands to raise funds uh, to try and t- tackle this issue. Um, and that's helped us uh, create projects like the Social Bite Village, and um, which is a really innovative project where we took on some vacant land uh, in Edinburgh and built a small village for homeless people to come and live and be a little community and get, get support We've also funded a big nationwide housing project and I'd say like what I start to call it now is the lifeblood of our organization since about 2014 has been our partnership with it is on because every single Christmas uh, the general Scottish public express unbelievable generosity through it is on and they uh, you know get, donate their five pounds to buy a homeless person a Christmas dinner or a present. And that funds our work at Christmas, but helps to fund our day-to-day work and some of these bigger projects right throughout the year. So it's been a phenomenal thing since, since it started, yeah.
1: And Ollie, could you just give us a very brief uh, history of It Is On? I'm old enough to remember... As I've just mentioned, <laughs> Dada the PR agency, which came before, but that was a while ago. So how did how did it all begin, and how did you guys kind of come together for this partnership?
2: Can we just say that Josh models himself from the Gallagher brothers, and I assume this is a podcast, so people won't be able to see him, but he's doing a really good interpretation of Liam Gallagher right now. Do you think
0: Is <laughs> it actually a pretty green? Uh, it is. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so it is on i started in 2010 and as you said actually i'd created another business called data before Dada was born in 2002 but Dada in 2002 did exactly what it is on and now does today but we were just a bit early and i remember um so we built quite quickly with 1.7 million active members throughout scotland and the north of england and josh when he first approached me back in the day josh it was 2013 uh,
0: 14 i think
2: 2014, 2014.
0: Do you remember when we first met?
2: Yeah. The moment? I, yes. When, when, like, when was it? Like what year? No, the specific
0: moment. I don't know if you remember this, but I
2: do. No, go and tell me. Illuminate.
0: We were both having a wee at a urinal at the, uh, after the Scottish Business Awards.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I was going to say something really deeply inappropriate there, but I, <laughs> I'm not going to do something. <laughs> no, but we'd spoken to each other before, I'm sure, during the data or, or it is on days in relation to because Josh in a former life was putting on big events until you pivoted towards doing social bite. But in terms of uh, Josh got in touch with me and said, I've got this idea to put on a charity fundraiser through Social Bite what I'm doing to see whether we can try and feed the homeless people at Christmas. And we get inundated with so many requests to do things with charities. And at that time as well, Social Bite was, fair to say, reasonably unknown. And one of the big things that we're always trying to do is ensure that anything we do has got genuine, proper impact and it's sustainable. So we always adopt something, even if it's for charity, in a bit cautionary perspective. But what was the initial target, Josh? Was it about 700, 800?
0: Yeah, it was 800 because origin- originally we just wanted to try and fund a service on Christmas Day you know,
2: in Ed- yeah. Edinburgh and Glasgow, yeah. Yeah, and um, so we had that target of 800 and I was quietly confident that we would do at least a couple of thousand. and didn't really know what was going to happen with it, but it's fair to say now that we are, it's one of the things that we look forward to most in our calendar year because we know the impact that it's had and uh, Social Bite as a charity which I'm sure we'll come on to I think we've been a catalyst to help make sure that Josh and the team can go on and just deliver incredible things so anyway regardless the the bit that we play within that just makes us so happy that we can do something that's got such wide-reaching impact every single year.
1: And I think um, I've spoken to you before about this Josh just on our Instagram live but I think you were both probably quite blown away by the success of the first year and obviously continuous years. But like, how surprised were you both at the reaction in the in the initial um, campaign?
0: Well, it was so the first time we that we did this uh, uh, partnership with It is to to help fund this Christmas dinner service was in December two thousand fourteen, and so Bite had just been going about two years. We'd expanded, the, the, you know, the, a small chain of cafes and. No, George Clooney never visited us, as Ollie said, we were pretty much unheard of, really. But we were kind of beavering away, offering quite a lot of jobs to homeless people by this stage and trying to run this pay-it-forward system. But we were a tiny organisation, and financially, we were really struggling to make ends meet. How that translated on on the ground through the cafes is that we used to have these pay-it-forward jars by the tills, and we used to encourage customers to pay something forward for someone that was homeless. And the jars frequently used to run empty um, and we couldn't afford to sort of give out free food, you know, without customers donating it. So we'd, when a homeless person came in quite regularly, we'd have to say, really sorry, the jars empty at the moment. Would you mind trying back later or trying another cafe? So in 2014, we decided we were going to open up the, the cafes on Christmas Day. But because we were so, you know so tight financially, we thought we really should at least try and cover our costs for doing that. So that's when I approached Ollie and said, that we're looking to do this, would you help us cover our costs? And, you know, we set a bit of a target. Of if we could sell 800 vouchers for £5, then we could do this on Christmas in both Edinburgh and Glasgow. So Ollie launched it. And I remember we had a tiny little office at the time and me and all my colleagues were in there looking at our laptop, thinking, you know, fingers crossed, hopefully it sells 800 dinners. And then it sold to 800 dinners in about 10 minutes. Um, and it ran for two weeks and it sold 36000 uh, Christmas dinners. So we were all just couldn't believe our eyes, are just refreshing our screens, and the numbers are just jumping up, and it was just so phenomenal and exciting. And and what the impact of that was, completely changed the uh, financial underpinning of social bite as a charity. And suddenly, those jars were effectively topped up. All throughout the year, we could put on big after hours events when the cafes were closed for homeless people to come in. We could start to employ dedicated support workers. Uh, to to, uh, engage with homeless people as they were coming in. So it just had a tremendous transformational impact. Um, And then that's been built on every single year, um, you know, and it's really helped to fuel the charity's work year on year.
1: And Ollie, were you quite surprised that it it did that well?
2: Oh, massively. just completely blew us all away. We kind of thought at a point in time, you know, once it got past 800 and a couple of thousand, it would just lose steam just actually kept on building and building. And one of the kind of loveliest things is when when you run an organization of scale, which I guess it is on now is, people to a degree become numbers because the numbers are so big and you never really understand fully what drives people's emotions and values. But to see, it was predominantly our members in the first instance buying all of this. just to see how they gravitated towards it, how they embraced it and how they spread the word. I I can't recall the official stats, but it was something in the region of uh, this in, the individual Facebook post was shared 100,000 times. And people just wanted to tell everyone they knew. And I think it's that just perfect sweet spot of everyone wants to do something, but they also want to put their money towards something that actually makes a tangible difference. And actually, people understanding this notion that there's going to be a plate of hot food at Christmas that goes to homeless people was just such a powerful thing. And it being done by... A really strong, credible local charity. So yeah, completely blew our expects expectations away.
1: And does it continue to kind of do that? Because now you're now in what your sixth year, and the, it's launched last week. So people are obviously right now in the process of doing it again. Are you are you always still continually quite surprised?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I've I've literally got my, the screen up in front of me as I do uh, from when it launches right obsessively right the way through till Christmas. So it launched on Thursday last week. And, you know, we already we've had 55,000, currently two hundred fifty five thousand two hundred and seventy three, you know, deals sold. So it seems to be on track to, you know, equate at least what we did last year, which was around 113,000 deals. So it seems to, yeah, it's gone from strength to strength every year. And I think it's just testament really to the kind of compassionate spirit of, of it is on members, but also wider people of Scotland that kind of flock to it. And I think. Yeah, it's just a really tangible thing people can do. And I think one of the things that I'm most proud of with it is that I know that all, all of these vouchers get printed off and they get put in children's stockings and they get put on Christmas dinner tables, you know, next to people's plate settings and they get exchanged as secret Santas. And it's just something that I think, you know, it, it, it is a real amazing sense of community spirit um,
2: that, that's um, shown through, through this deal. Ros, can I just say, you, you, you don't look old enough to remember Dada.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, thanks very much. <laughs> I definitely am.
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm not I'm not you just don't look, anyway. Sorry for that introduction.
1: <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I've got a really bright light shining in my face, so you can't really see it that well.
2: Take the compliment. <laughs> Thank
1: you. So, um, Ollie, you said that you get, you use, well, you, you get a lot of charities getting in touch and stuff was it the this and initially was it the small number of was it the small target required that made you think okay we'll just do this because it could be quite easy or what was it you know that kind of made you say yes and has it led to anything else from it is on like is it kind of sparked other things from it is on
2: yeah massively so we get inundated and I always like to do things that are a sustainable and b can make a credible difference just like everybody skeptical because like i said social Byte were reasonably unknown at the time and anything that we put our name to we need to make sure it gets delivered so it just the pictures coming back from Josh and his team from that first year and what was delivered were just astonishing and every year we've gone on to do it what the guys have implemented and utilized those funds for has been incredible whether it's been helping build the social bite village one year Josh and his team took van loads of provisions over to um, refugees in Calais. And this year, there's a significant sum going towards helping homeless families and vulnerable families receive gifts at Christmas. So it all translates into really credible things that the public can then see, this is what I bought, this is what happened as a consequence. And what we've done at on is We launched um, two and a half years ago our own charity called It Is On Us, where we donate a couple of thousand vouchers every month to local charities. And it's really that same notion, which is people can effectively have an experience, and in Josh's case, in social buy, it's homeless people having experience. With It Is On Us, the experience is for multiple charities, where whether it's a cancer respite respite charity or otherwise, they can use these vouchers for good, either to raise funds or for people using the charity's facilities for respite so absolutely um it is on we also do charity days the team are super proactive and indeed one of the beneficiaries of the campaign this year is a, a, a charity called spirit of glasgow which is all about giving impoverished families that won't be able to get, receive gifts this year and the team were down wrapping presents for that a couple of days ago so absolutely josh and his team have very much motivated us and inspired us and it's just so in the world of charity, there can sometimes be a cynicism. When charities reach a certain scale, they become a little bit more bureaucratic and less about doing. And I think one of the things that's so lovely about Social Bite is it's really held true to a mantra of just trying to push the boundaries, not only in terms of what it can achieve, but also educating the public. I didn't really know a huge amount about homelessness, nor even the notion that living in such a small country, we genuinely could eradicate it. Not every not every definition of it, but most definitions of it, and that's really through Josh pioneering and pulling people together, and hopefully we're a little bit of the glue that allows them to propel that messaging to the wider the wider public.
0: Definitely.
1: Uh, since we're uh, almost at Christmas and we're almost at the end of 2020, what what plans do you have for um, social bite and it is on for next year? Where we'll hopefully be free of coronavirus and everything that's been happening.
0: Yeah, well, I think one one of the special things that we did this year is we we ran a bit of a special deal, you know, in the midst of the lockdown, um, which again helped us fund a really substantial food distribution effort through the lockdown. So, social Bike managed to give away from the eighteenth of March. We're up to now about eight hundred and thirteen thousand food packs and essential items and it is on you know we're a significant contributor to that so i think you know every year we kind of plan to work towards the christmas stuff but there's always things that sometimes crop up where we can come together again some of the ones in the past that have been really good fun was when we managed to bring george clooney and leonardo dicaprio over then ollie ran a deal on his site where people could donate five pounds and sort of enter a raffle to meet them for lunch so that was always Always really good fun and culminated in, in a sort of lunch with a member of the public who bought one of these vouchers with uh, George and Leo. Um, so, you know, who, who knows we might we'll maybe get something like that in the future again uh, with any luck.
2: Yeah, sorry. Uh, and for it is on the pandemic, so we have to build back, you know, it's pretty much hammered us as a business. So, we're going to build back and we've got some really exciting plans next year. And what we do at heart is give people experiences. So, we have our major event program, we're building that out. We managed to run a whole bunch of stuff over the course of this year and we're going to supersize that next year. But the one thing that the pandemic has really validated for us as as an organization and for me is our ability to do good throughout it. So, what we're doing is we're going to supersize our effort. I held a company session with everybody just last week and it was all about how the next time anything like this were ever to rise again hopefully it doesn't But if it were to that out with our own survival as a company the second priority will be our ability to do good and preserve that ability going forward so i think for uh, many organizations and individuals covid has actually just um reestablished a sense of purpose and values to what you want to do
1: um, and just getting back to the, the Christmas theme, um, how are you both spending Christmas and can you tell me your favourite and most dreaded festive food? Let's we'll start, start with Josh.
0: Favourite and most what?
1: Most dreaded. So what's your favourite festive food and what's the thing that you think, oh, I'm not going to eat that? And I'm assuming it might be sprouts. <laughs> I actually
0: don't mind sprouts. Um, well, so I'm spending Christmas back at, at my mum's house is the plan. She, it's like our old family home where we grew up, but she just sold it. So this is going to be our last Christmas. Um, at like our old family home so that'll be quite sentimental and i'm sure and emotional I do, i'm not a big fan of turkey to be honest i don't we we never have turkey for christmas so we do we'll always uh, go for a duck or goose or something like that um so yeah you know that's i'm kind of i my favorite christmas food is probably like leftover christmas dinner that you go back to and when it's cold
2: a
1: bit like cold pizza it's better when it's cold i think so yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'll I'll be up in um with uh, my wife and two kids up at my in-laws, they live in Loch Goyle and it's just absolutely beautiful. So I'm super lucky we get to wake up overlooking Loch Goyle itself and just have a gorgeous Christmas in front of the fire. So I love pigs and blanket. So we've at Brel, one of the venues that it is on owns, we've we put on this pigs and blanket with um raclette cheese smothered all over it it is so dirty and disgusting but it's just brilliant and you go into an immediate food coma after it and the one thing that i despise is uh, christmas pudding i think it's vile i don't understand why people like it whatsoever i'll gladly take the brandy but certainly not the pudding
1: uh, and uh, just to sort of finish off we have a quick fire round which is um, five questions to do with food. So I'll. is that all right if I start with you again, Josh? i will just ask you. First thing that comes into your head. Okay. Okay. Whenever I'm hungry, I think of... Uh, uh, pizza. Comfort food for me is...
0: Uh, probably Indian takeaway.
1: My favourite childhood dessert is...
0: Banoffee pie.
1: My food heaven is...
0: Sunday roast.
1: And my food hell is...
0: Mm, something with English mustard on it.
1: Okay. <laughs>
2: I can see you really you really went that was tough. You were really <laughs> uncomfortable there.
1: <laughs> it's quite it's quite hard to think about the first thing that comes into your head. Yeah, it's is. quite it's quite revealing. <laughs> <laughs> and Ollie, whenever I'm hungry I think of
2: Nothing tastes as good as skinny feels.
1: Oh no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's a joke. That was Kate Moss. I that know, I know, I know, I <laughs> know. <laughs> Sorry.
1: You know it's okay. Comfort food for me is
2: oh, macaroni cheese bucketfuls of it with lots of toppings.
1: My favourite childhood dessert is
2: uh, ice cream pavlova. Disgusting but brilliant.
1: My food heaven is
2: is it ice cream pavlova <laughs> with macaroni.
1: <laughs> and my food hell is
2: uh, tuna. Hate it. It's horrible
1: like i can or in any form
2: I, I i can sort of sushi sashimi tuna's okay but I, I can process tuna it's just the only i eat everything i love seafood and it's the only one dish i just cannot cannot handle
1: do we have time for one more or you guys need to head off no go for it okay you're gonna you're i do think you're gonna like this one josh because it's another one you have to drink about quite quickly <laughs> so i'll start wally this time oh no If you could invite three people to a dinner party, whether they're dead or alive, who would you be and why?
2: Oh, uh, Stephen Hawking, quite a fascinating dude. Elon Musk is nuts and he'd bring some dope with him. And um, there's got to be probably Eva Longori, but like circa early 90s.
1: Okay. (laughs) And Josh?
0: Oh, God. I hate these kinds of questions. It should have been pre Um Right. I'd have George Clooney back. Mm. He was a brilliant laugh. So I'd, I'd have him back around for dinner. I'd probably... Rob Brydon. I've met him a couple of times, and he's um, absolutely hilarious. And probably bring somebody back from the dead. Probably bring old Nelson Mandela back and just uh, get his insights on on the world as it is now.
1: I'm just thinking, whoever won that competition to have lunch with George Clooney and Leonardo DiCaprio, what would you talk to them about? It just would be, you'd just be so starstruck.
2: Oh, Leo. Oh, no, so, so everybody, quite rightly, when you're in the presence of Hollywood's royalty, everyone was in best behaviour, asking very kind of pertinent, respectful questions. I really just wanted to know what it was like to film Wolf of Wall Street, how much fun it was. And his face just lit up. He was like, "Oh man, that was so much fun!" But I mean, there's so many questions you want to ask these guys. But um, George Clooney was such a gentleman. Josh, I would agree. I'd definitely like to hang out with the guy again. Um, one of the one of the most entertaining things it was during the um, nominations for the presidential uh, election, and Trump I think had maybe thrown his hat into the ring at that point when Clooney had come over, um, and somebody asked George the question. Uh, would you run for President George? And George sort of paused for a sec, and he was like, nah, the house is too small. <laughs> <laughs> but the the, um, the the lady first year, uh, Heather uh, Sperling, uh, lovely lady, she unfortunately is in the wedding sector. She runs her own wedding business, so she's having a super tough time right now. But she was uh, asking George all about his marriage to Amal and uh, it, she was great fun. She asked him loads of questions that were all all relating to her business and George and her mouth. So that, that was quite a lot of fun.
0: My favourite one was um, this, is, this guy, John Watson, who's a good friend of mine. Um, he's got an old Scottish businessman. He was at the lunch with Leo DiCaprio as well. And he said, uh, Leo, I just wanted to uh, ask you. He said, um, what would you say out of all the movies you've done would be what you consider to be the most successful? And Leo just went, um... That will be a little known movie called The Titanic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, well, thank you very much, guys. It's been been great to chat, find out more, and uh, hopefully get into the festive spirit as well. And I hope the uh, fundraiser hits its target this year and we can see all the good work you guys have been doing. Definitely. Thank, so thank you. you very much. Thank you, Roslyn.
2: Great. Thanks, Ros. Cheers for that. Thank
1: you. Thank good you. to see you guys. See you later. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Now, if you're vegetarian or vegan, Christmas can seem a bit of a challenge when it comes to food. If you've had one too many nut roasts, Kat Thompson offers up some suggestions of veggie and vegan options from the supermarkets, plus what she's planning on eating. Today I'm joined by Kat Thompson, who's a pitch editor and member of the audiovisual team at The Scotsman. Hi Kat.
3: Hi Rosalind, how are you?
1: I'm fine, how are you?
3: Not too bad, are you all ready for Christmas?
1: Uh, yeah, the tree is up, it's been up since last weekend. And yeah, just done my final food shop, so I'm looking forward to it. Although I'm not cooking for the first time in about eight years, so it'll be a nice break.
3: Yeah, excellent. We are not quite as organised as you. We've still got our decorations to put up. Got a few of them up, but not not the full shebang yet. And still got food shopping to come, so lots to lots to plan for still. Um, so you're a vegetarian? Yep, I have been a vegetarian since I was 17. I went on a school trip to Germany. In the flight across they gave us horse meat um, for our lunch and that was just a step too far for me. So I have been a vegetarian for a very long time. Now I think probably I'm more aware of how meat is actually produced and I wouldn't actually be as squeamish to eat meat now because I just feel that you should be aware of how your meat is being produced and there are good ways as well as you know not all meat is bad basically is what i'm saying
1: so you've seen probably quite a lot of changes within the what you can buy in supermarkets and stuff because i know obviously for a long time it was like Linda mccartney kind of pioneered it didn't she but it's really come on leaps and bounds for what's available to vegetarians and vegans now
3: yeah massive massive change it used to be that if you went out for a meal you would get like a microwave vegetarian lasagna basically that was it <laughs> it didn't really matter it was macaroni cheese or a vegetarian lasagna that was your basically eating out choices and and now all the different um, sort of supermarket ranges it's just a massive massive industry I'm not entirely sure that that's necessarily a good thing there's a lot of sort of fake meat products and sort of like live vegan burgers that sort of bleed and things like that which I find a bit odd I think the whole the whole premise of being a vegetarian or being a vegan is that you're showcasing the the ingredients and you're looking after your health you know through plants and pulses and all that kind of thing.
1: And um, Christmas is obviously for most people a turkey or some kind of poultry pigs and blankets it's quite a a carnivore fest and what is it you would normally have?
3: Yeah well it used to it used to um, make me quite stressful when I was uh, sort of younger and I was going home because my mum would panic about what I was going to eat. It became this sort of like a big focus on on my diet, and she would always end up with like a a, a kind of a ready made option from the supermarkets, things that you would never normally eat. So I used to always find it very strange that there was this pressure to. Have a sort of a, a a showcase thing that perhaps you wouldn't normally sort of partake in. I'm just a massive fan of all the kind of root vegetables. um I, I don't think you can go wrong with with that. To be perfectly honest with you, I've had my fair my fair share of nut roasts throughout the year. I find them you know quite nice on the day, but then you're left with a you know excess portion, and it's not quite the nice uh, the next day or the day after. I'm a I'm a vegetarian, so obviously I can just overload on cheese because that's um, that's a huge part of Christmas for me is kind of uh, cheese and I'm not a great fan of Brussels sprouts, but there's a really nice way that you can you know you can shred them into tiny little sort of slices and mix them with sort of caramelised onions and a wee hint of Christmas you know cranberry or raspberry jelly and sort of stir fry them almost. And, you know, that's a great side dish for everybody else. They can add in a little bit of bacon, but, you know, that's, for me, is just a, a lovely thing to have. And the other family favourite that we all like is um, sweetcorn fritters, which is basically just a pancake batter with um, sweet corn in it and, and kind of salt. That makes a lovely um, sort of addition to a plate full of veg, to be honest. At Christmas, everybody is kind of just going mad with excess. And, you know, you can see huge platefuls of, you know, just an immense amount of food. I think we should be more aware of the kind of the waste, the food waste, and just maybe not take those extra roast potatoes and just have a couple of parsnips, not pile up your plate so much. We don't need that much, really. (laughs) If you're honest, you don't, because you'll just feel stuffed and full afterwards. You should just kind of calm down a little bit for Christmas.
1: Yeah, and I feel like this year is maybe going to be a bit more like that because there's going to be fewer people in households, and you're maybe not cooking for as many people. So maybe it'll be a bit, a bit less of a giant feast, but maybe not.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? But certainly in our household, it's not an all vegetarian household. You know, there will be a you know a huge slab of beef, but we'll just have a nice time together, just enjoy each other's company. And I, I completely agree with you. I think people throughout lockdown have really learned to appreciate the time that they have with their family maybe appreciate a little bit more where your food is coming from supporting local producers and suppliers um, they are going through a really 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 tough time and you know alternatively you might be sort of splurging and going for you know a delivery option from some of these amazing chefs that are, are producing that yeah i've seen a lot of
1: them in in glasgow and it'll be the same where you are this, they look amazing the ones in Edinburgh as well like if I wasn't going to my sisters I'd be really tempted to be like I'll just order it in from the Gannet
3: or something. <laughs> I know it's just it's such a it's such a wonderful development it, you know I hopefully when we can you know freely get out and sort of sample and um, food like that in restaurants maybe we'll appreciate it a little bit more.
1: Um, and so you've not you said you've not started your Christmas food shopping yet but when you do do you have an idea of what you're going, are you going to buy something
3: ready made for yourself or are you going to make something and if it's ready made have you seen anything that you think oh that looks nice well i've kind of i've had a bit of a, a bit of a troll online to have a look i'll probably i will probably if i'm honest just kind of make it up myself but um asda has a sort of a bacon camembert with rum and raisins and fig and pecans for six pounds which i thought was, nice. was quite interesting but again you could easily recreate that yourself for less money I'm I'm sure you could just get a camembert and raid your cupboards and see what else you can throw in with it. Marks and Spencer's had a you know an absolutely stunning a uh, mushroom and camembert pie it's unfortunately it's sold out it it's pastry and it has been sort of made to look like the the bottom of a portobello mushroom so it'd be like all this sort of gills of the mushroom but you know that would come in at 18 pounds that's quite pricey you know Aldi do a root veg and camembert nut roast for £2.99 I mean that's incredibly cheap really Tesco have brie and cranberry parcels and phyllo paste sort of little phyllo pastry parcels but again they're £10 for four you can easily have loads more than that by buying phyllo pastry Something that I have done in the past, and I might be tempted to do uh, again this year, is get some filo pastry, vegetarian haggis, and some uh, like gruyere cheese, and you just sort of open up the haggis raw, put it put it in the filo pastry with butter, add the cheese, squash it all up together, stick it in the oven for for 15 minutes till it's golden. I mean that's very very easy to do. You don't have to be a crazy chef. Tesco also had a half half of a butternut squash, beautifully sort of stuffed with something. But again, £9. I mean, think of how many butternut squashes you could actually buy for that money. You know, just just be sensible about these things. Waitrose had a vegetable tartlet selection. So they were really cute, sort of different multicoloured fillings, quite modestly priced at £6. But the one that really caught my eye, and it is a bit of a pudding, is asda they had the bruce brussels sprout cake which is suitable for vegetarians and now that's a cartoon character of a brussels sprout but it just it cheered me up it made me laugh when i saw it so i don't know if it's still available but i might be tempted just to have that i'm not a big fan of christmas christmas cake so that's maybe a good alternative yeah i
1: think
3: i've seen that on the ad fair it does look cute yeah. it's kind of it just i think we all need a bit of a bit of levity at this uh, at this time because we've had we've all had quite a hard year. Yeah. Vegan options, Asda had a you know a pretty traditional savoury sort of yule log, which was had chestnuts and cranberries in a pastry lattice. That to me is like my nightmare. I think <laughs> it's what my mum would have you know desperately thought she needed to get for me. It's not for me, but it might be for you. It was only four quid, so that was fine. Marks and Spencer's had a plant kitchen, vegan wreath. Now, I wasn't sure whether to eat it or hang it on the door. It was, it was in a circular ring. There were mushrooms, there were chestnuts, pumpkin seeds, and it was decorated with cranberries and an orange glaze. Not one for me, but absolutely looked beautiful. Ten pounds, um, and they also had a butternut almond pecan nut roast i have got wee tiny vegan pigs in blankets that so looked quite sweet for £1.99. So again, it's just a finger food worth getting in, um, particularly if you've got a, a sort of vegan family member. Tesco, they have a beautiful glossy brochure and the food stylist there deserves a bonus for the, the photography on the Wicked Kitchen, No Beef Wellington. It looks absolutely stunning in the catalogue, but then you kind of look online and look at the actual raw packaging and it looks awful. There's no way that you could re- recreate it without all the styling that came with it. Um, but that's only a fiver, so it's one of these things you can probably stick it in the oven with everything else and it would be fine. But it's quite, it's quite interesting, the length that all the supermarkets are going to, to win that vegan or vegetarian um, pound. Tesco also have a, a no turkey crown, which is it looks a bit too meaty for me. It's sort of mimicking what turkey would look like, which I think kind of sort of defeats the purpose of, of being a vegan a bit slightly. Waitrose have like a vegan festive swirl, so it, was, it looks like a sort of German sausage. But again, filo pastry and stuck, stick some of your favourite um, fillings in there. You could easily recreate that yourself. But they did have something which I was quite interested in, vegan cheese melts, sort of breaded, sort of really would look like chamomile and brie with a dip. But vegan cheese is obviously doesn't melt in the same way. So that's obviously been sort of formulated to work every time. I would definitely think that that's quite a good foolproof option. And there were two for four pounds. Morrison's had a, a sort of a vegan Christmas tart with a little pastry star in the middle of it, which looked really, really sweet. It was made of sweet potato, parsnips and mushrooms for a fiver. Absolutely tickety-boo. Poods, as I have a little glittery um, chocolate cottage, which is sort of filled with cherry and chocolate mousse. And that looked really sweet for three pounds. Um, lo- I wasn't sure whether you should hang it on the tree. It looks like a little Christmas decoration though, or, or stick it on the plate. But they're just a a roundup of just what's out there. Everybody's got their own, you know, personal tastes. But I would always, always go for just loads of roast veg. Yeah, just a
1: plate of roast veg with, like, um, more veg
3: on the side. More veg on the side, yeah, (laughs) uh, definitely. But, you know, potatoes, you'd have beautiful roast potatoes, golden golden brown, some mashed potatoes, some, like, red onion uh, gravy. The Brussels sprouts, you know, however we, however you want to cook them, whether you want to boil them to death or, like I suggested earlier, just shred them and stir fry um, on the side, and sweet sweet corn fritters, wee bit of cheese. i honestly, I would be absolutely delighted if some, if you went someplace and somebody put that down, down for you. The other option that I do resort to is Adelia Smith kind of adapted recipe which is just a quiche I'm I'm going to be perfectly honest with you but caramelized onion you know a nice cheese in there as well and make sure the filling is absolutely you know stuffing and then beautiful free-range eggs and cream you really honestly can't go wrong well that
1: all sounds great thanks very much Kat you've done the research so that everyone else doesn't have to
3: Uh. no bother thanks thanks Rosalind and I hope you have a wonderful Christmas
1: Yeah, thank you. You too. Bye, Rosalind. Bye. Finally, here's what my team and I found were the best and worst festive foods available to buy now. Last month, myself and the wider digital team in which I work undertook the task of sampling and reviewing a range of Christmas food from the big supermarkets. It's a hard job and all that. We reviewed Christmas cake, stollen, picks and blankets, mulled wine, prosecco, Christmas pudding, roast potatoes and mince pies. And I must say that wasn't all one person. There was lots of us. (laughs) So I thought I'd just chat through our findings to give you some insight into what we liked, what we didn't like, what we thought was good value for money, for anyone doing their last minute Christmas shopping. Firstly, I was on the mulled wine for what felt like weeks in November. and rated Lidl's the best. I'm not overly fond of sweet mulled wine, and theirs seemed to me anyway to be the most German market-like, from the bottle to the taste, which was spiced and fruity, but not overly sweet. For a fiver for one litre, it's also great value. I wasn't as keen on the Marks & Spencer's wine as I found it way too sweet. Which was a bit of a surprise because I thought theirs might be the best, but I realised that not everyone likes not sweet mulled wine. Next, there was Christmas Cakes, which were reviewed by Rona Shannon. The Waitrose number one richly fruited Christmas cake at £16 was her favourite, while As Does was a bit bland. From Christmas Cake to Christmas Pudding, Craig Sinclair shared his thoughts. Both Lidl and Waitrose got 5 out of 5, but he was less impressed by Morrison's. Finding the best men's pies was the job for Claire Schofield, and it was Lidl and Iceland that got her top vote, while she wasn't as impressed with Marks and Spencer. If Stalin is your festive treat of choice, then Helen Johnson wrote about her findings after sampling seven. I think it's fair to say she doesn't want any more Stalin anytime soon. Tesco didn't fare too well, but Sainsbury's went down a treat. If you're not keen to make your own roast potatoes this Christmas, then Ian Leggett did the hard work by reviewing the ready to cook range from supermarkets. After a few strange looks from delivery men who weren't sure why one guy needed so many potatoes, he compiled his list. His favourites included Tesco, Morrisons and Marks and Spencers, while Iceland only got 1 out of 5. Next up, Sarah Wilson and her flatmates popped the Prosecco to let you all know that Sainsbury's is the best and Tesco, not so much. Finally, I think it's fair to say, the one we all wanted was Pigs and Blankets, which were cooked up and reviewed by Laurie Cormack. Laurie is currently eating for two, so we couldn't really deprive a pregnant lady of a range of tasty snacks to enjoy during lockdown. Liddle was on to another winner with 5 out of 5, whereas Asdas were a disappointment. So there you have it, I hope this helps with any last minute Christmas shopping and thanks again to my team for all their efforts. Guys, you don't have to look at any more Christmas food now until next year. (laughs) That was a really fun, informative chat with Ollie and Josh. It's great to hear that the fundraising makes such a difference and that Social Bite will once again be feeding homeless people this Christmas. I also thought that their dream dinner party guests were excellent. And i can't begin to imagine what it must have been like having lunch with george Clooney and leonardo dicaprio i don't know about you but i'm feeling really festive and looking forward to christmas despite not being able to see all my family this year kat is the same and she's definitely full of great ideas for veggie and vegan food thanks to my guests ollie josh and kat and thanks again to you for listening to scran both this episode and this season it's been a packed series of guests and topics all celebrating our wonderful scottish larder We'll be back with Season 3 in 2021, so all that remains for me to say is Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. You can download Scram wherever you get your podcasts. But for exclusive, interactive and immersive content, you can download the app. Scram is a logical production, presented and co-produced by me, Rosalind Erskine, and co-produced, edited and mixed by Morgan McIntyre.